Hope. Hope. Just think about the word. You, you take in the word like hope does something for you, doesn't it? And sometimes hope can feel very elusive and sometimes it feels very tangible. Think about the things that you hope for, right? There, there are things that you hope for. If you're a Pats fan, you, you hope. And you hope. And you hope, right? And you think, oh, gone are the days. But maybe there's hope, right? Or you just at least hope that the Jets lose. One of those two things is true, right? Uh, hope, hope does something, and yet it can, can keep you up late at night when, when your guys are down by 25 points in the Super Bowl. It keeps you going, right? It does something in you. Hope does something in you. Some of you are, are students, and you hope you're getting the grade that you told your parents you had, right? So you feel some hope there. You're hoping that you were good enough this last year to not be on the naughty list, Ugh. Hope, hope it, it does something in us. These are things that we grasp onto for hope. I, I hope I get this job. I hope I get this deal that makes my last quarter look okay for my, I hope I get my Christmas bonus. I hope my wife will stop. I hope my husband will begin. I hope my kids will this. I, we, we, we hope we hope. And then there are the hopes that reside deep within us. Not too long ago, was, I don't know, within the last year, I did a funeral. There was a family in my neighborhood that, that had reached out. Mom was uh, uh, being cared for in hospice, and they knew I was a pastor, and so they had just reached out if I could spend some time with them, and I, I loved the opportunity that I had to do that. And then mom, mom died. And uh, they, they were a family of faith, but weren't connected with the church at that time. And so uh, they asked me to do the funeral. And so we got together and uh, we were gathered as family for mom's funeral. And um, I was going through that and mom's brother, he was kind of the, the oldest of that family at this point, the, the last remaining of that generation. His sister was who we were saying goodbye to that day. And uh, we're just going to call him Uncle uh, Ed, kind of changing his name. And uh, Ed was one of those guys who, well, let's just face it, he'd lived long enough, he was going to say what he wanted to when he wanted to. And so the service would go on, and Ed would have some comments. Sometimes the comments were for me at the front, sometimes the comments were the people around them. And Uncle Ed had long since forgotten how to whisper. And so he'd you know, take on a full-on conversation, what was going on here. And this was the first time I'd been surprised by things like that, so you roll with it. And we were getting towards the end of the service, and, and, and things were culminating. And uh, Uncle Ed just cries out. His 98-year-old voice, he cries out, looking at his sister and looking directly at me. He says, please, tell me there's something more than this. Tell me there's life after this. You kind of imagine those things in a moment like that in a funeral, but here he was crying out for this. Give me hope. In the face of death, he wasn't sure what to do with that. I was grateful for the opportunity that I had to be able to answer his question in that moment, that there is hope in Christ. There is hope. See, the human heart longs for an answer to that question. Please tell me there's something. Please tell me there's more than this. 
Please tell me there's meaning and purpose. The human heart longs and hopes. But hope is not just a philosophy. Hope is not a wish. Hope is not a fairy tale or a fantasy. Hope is a man. Hope is a someone. And that hope is Jesus himself. He is the one who births this hope in us that does something in us. For many of us in this room or watching online, we are people of faith. We, we, we are banking on, we are certain of what we hope for. And even as people of faith, we begin to lose our grasp on hope, don't we? There were certain promises we thought would come true if we gave our hearts to Jesus and gave our lives to him. And there were certain things we hoped would happen that seemed to have slipped through our fingers. There are ways that we would hope that the family of God would operate that seems different than what we experience in so many circles today. And we had hoped for something different and hope seems to slip through our fingers. Even as people of faith, we can wrestle with holding on to hope. Maybe you're listening in here today, you're, you're sitting here today and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. You're not sure what hope is. You're, you're even going, I'm not even sure that's the right place to put my hope. Listen, listen in and you will hear that it is. As a person of faith, a person who has put your trust there, but who might be waning in the department of hope, listen in, listen in and recalibrate yourself be refilled with hope. Hope is not a wish or a fantasy. Hope is a man, and his name is Jesus. And when we hold on to hope in Jesus, when we hold on to him as our hope, it will do things in our lives. We will see fruit in our lives. We will see uh, strength. We will see courage. We will see freedom in our lives. Hope Jesus does something in us. And so today we proclaim this hope in Christ. And one of the things that can erode our notion of hopefulness, erode our hope, is waiting and waiting and waiting. We had hoped for this, but we continue to wait. And so let's explore what hope does, what Jesus does, the hope he gives us in the midst of this waiting. Let's pray together for just a moment. Father, uh, stir hope in us today. Stir hope in us today. Draw near to us. Comfort us. Stir in us. Awaken us. By the power of your Spirit, give us eyes to see what we don't naturally see. By the power of your Spirit, Father, give us ears to hear what we don't naturally hear. By the power of your Spirit, soften our hard hearts that we would be receptive and pliable 
in your hands today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Throughout this Advent season, we're going to be taking a look at two primary passages, both of them in the first chapter of Luke. And these are what we might call songs, sometimes referred to as hymns or their prophecies. One is by a man named Zechariah, who's the father of John, John the baptizer. The other is by Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so we're going to take these next four weeks building up to Christmas Eve service and celebration, and we're going to be looking at, a, at, at these two songs together. We're going to start with Zechariah's song, and, uh, and, and we find this in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 67. Zechariah's song. Verse 67. His father, he's talking about John the Baptist. John was just born in the lineage of what was just happening here. We'll go back and talk more about that. His father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, this is Zechariah's song. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he said through the holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. We're going to take a couple weeks and look just at Zechariah's song here. And this first uh, portion that, that we're looking at here is we're noticing this beautiful song of hope rising out of, honestly, the pain of waiting Waiting. We see waiting in the, in, in the uh, prophets that he's alluding to or some of the characters from the Old Covenant that we uh, see him alluding to. He talked about Abraham, you know, that, that we have been waiting for the promise to be fulfilled, the promise that you made in Abraham. As Zechariah looked to God and said, now in this moment you are fulfilling your promise to Abraham. Now, many of you probably know the story of Abraham. Abraham was uh, a man who lived really largely absent from God, it seemed, most of his life. And then God spoke to him and called him away from his land, away from his people, away from his gods. And in that calling of Abram, at the time, later changed his name to Abraham, uh, as he called Abram out of that, he said, I will bring you to a new place, a land flowing with milk and honey, a land of goodness and fullness, a land of flourishing, and I will bless you so that you would bless the nations. And so he made this promise to Abraham that, that I will make your family great. You will have many kids. Well, at this point, Abraham didn't have any kids. 
And so he made this promise to Abraham, called him out of distance, brought him in close, made this promise, I will bless you to be a blessing to the nations. Your family will be as many as the stars in the sky and the sand on the sea. That's a lot. Like I think some people who have 12, 13 kids has a lot, but you know, this was sand in the sea and stars in the sky. This was a lot of kids and here he was not having any and yet God made this promise. And so uh, Zechariah is referring back to this promise, this covenant that God made with Abraham. I will be your God and your people will be my people. And they reference King David. We see King David's, uh, the promise that God made to King David unfold in 2 Samuel chapter 7. We're not going to read that here. You can go back and read it for yourself if you want. But we see this, this promise that was made here. They were a people. They were a nation. And here was a king. And David was considered a man after God's own heart. Yet he failed miserably so many times. And yet God made this promise. He said, you will never fail to have a descendant sit on this throne. The best gift that a king could have is that his family will reign in this place. Well, what we see is so much failure in the lineage of David. But here we see in the line of David, God's promise is being fulfilled. So even that language of a horn of salvation, it speaks to a king who saves born out of the line of David. But here we were like, these things took place generations before. God had promised Abraham, God had promised David, God had promised Israel through the prophets of old. God had promised that he himself would become their deliverer, their horn of salvation. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited. One generation after another, they waited, and they waited. Hope had grown dull in them as a people. And they waited, and they waited. It's also a great story of waiting for this family, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, they both came from a lineage of serving in the temple, a lineage of priests, and Zechariah was a priest in this day. And uh, it was his turn to go and serve in the temple, and they took turns and rotated around, and there's a way that they determined who would be doing what. And so it was Zechariah's turn to go into the temple. We see this story unfold at the beginning of Luke chapter 1. Zechariah and Elizabeth, were t we were told in verse 6 here that both of them were righteous in God's sight. Now this becomes important for what unfolds a little bit later on. Um, uh, we see that there was something that God saw in them. They were both righteous in God's sight. And yet, they were without children. They were without children. There's an agony that comes with not having children. There's a social stigma that comes without having children. There's a sense that God has cursed you if you don't have children, particularly in that day. They were people who were acquainted with waiting and waiting and waiting. And so Zechariah goes into the temple and there he encounters. I'm going to read this. It's not on the screen, but let me read this encounter in verse 11. 
You can follow along in your own Bibles. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing in the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. He was supposed to be the only one in there at this point, and here was somebody else. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. Right? So we get a sense, like, in this waiting, they, they had been praying, they had been longing, they had been hoping that something might change. And the angel says, it's about to change. He will be a joy and a delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and in the power of Elijah, the prophet, the one who was making straight the way of the Lord, to turn their hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord." Right, so the angel brings this incredible news to him. In the midst of his waiting, he knows God sees, God's heard their prayers. And what does Zechariah do? Probably what a lot of us would have done. Like, no way. <laughs> right? Like, he's an angel, enough that it got his attention. Like, you scared him a bit. And the angel makes this pronouncement, you're going to have a son and you're going to call him John. And Zechariah's response was, no way. Like, I'm old. Dude, I'm old, and my wife is along in years. How diplomatic is that, right? I, I don't recommend you use that one in social settings. I don't go to your office Christmas party and say, I might be old, and this is my wife. She's along in years. But here was Zechariah explaining the situation. Like, we're old. We're, my wife is along in years. Like, this isn't going to happen, dude. You'd think that he'd have remembered so many of the stories. They were not the only ones in the story of God's redemption where that was true. We go back to Abraham, the very one we are talking about a moment ago. By the time that God promised him an heir and said a son would be born, he's like, we're old. And his wife Sarah laughed like, this is impossible. You don't know how biology works. Let me explain things to you. When a man and a woman love each other, like, and they're not old and along in years. There's this surprise that they're experiencing. But that's part of this story. So they were righteous and faithful. And then they get this outrageous news that their prayer is being answered. And they didn't believe it. And so the angel was like, what? I'm an angel of the most high God. Here's the deal. You're not going to talk anymore. <laughs> and so he's like, Pff. like, don't you kind of wish you had that power in some people's lives anymore? Like, so the angel like, like, and then John comes out of the temple and is trying to explain. Like, have you ever played charades? Like, how do you charades this? Like, I just saw an angel who told me I was going to have a son with my wife Elizabeth, who's along in years. How do, how do the charades work on that one? There was a chicken. No, no, no. Like, I don't know how this works, but here's John trying to charades this story. And then his wife conceives. She's pregnant. And along comes John. And this whole time, he won't talk. And then as, as the child 
is being dedicated to the Lord. He wasn't talking, so they assumed his name would be Zechariah, like his dad. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. And the first time he spoke again, he wrote down the words, his name is John. Like when he took that step of faithfulness, his name is John. He followed in obedience to what he'd been told. His name is John. His mouth opened. And as his mouth opened, this song sprang out, this song of praise to God, this song of hope in who God is. In the midst of this angst, anxiety, or even suffering of waiting, God springs forth, and this song of hope is released, not just from his mouth, but from his soul, empowered by God's Spirit. And hope comes out. And what we get in this thing, and what we proclaim over and over and over again today, I love how Rich Volatis says this. He says, the good news of Advent is not that we are faithful in our waiting, Right? We see here so often that we are not. The good news of Advent is not that we are faithful in our waiting, but that God is faithful in his coming. The good news of Advent is not that we are faithful in our waiting, but that God is faithful in his coming. And Zechariah's song breaks out in the hope the hope that he is seeing God is faithful. As the nation has waited for generations, God is faithful. The time is here. As we have waited and ached for family, God is here and he is faithful. God is faithful in his coming. So what is our strength in the midst of waiting? Hope. What is strength in the midst of waiting? Hope. What is our hope? Jesus is our hope, for he is the expression of God's faithfulness. There's faithfulness that God saw in the waiting. He saw Zechariah and Elizabeth. The angel says, we have heard your prayer. God saw the faithfulness or the unfaithfulness of the people And yet God was intent to work his plan of redemption and salvation in the world through the people Israel. At both the personal level and at the cosmic level, God has not stopped doing what he does. He has not stopped for a moment being faithful to his nature and his character, his love, his holiness, his righteousness, and his faithfulness. See, our strength is hope, and our hope is Jesus, because Jesus is the fulfillment of God's faithfulness. And I want you to see this not only in these pages that we have seen, but I want you to see this in your own life. God is faithful to you in the waiting. God is faithful to you. He sees you. He hears your prayer. Like he said, like the angel said to Zechariah, your prayer has been heard. You're going to have a son. What is the prayer, the ache of your heart these days? For some, it is a prayer and an ache for a mate, for a husband or wife, somebody to choose you and love you. It's for your children. 
It's for your work. You want work that is meaningful and good and productive and creative. For a marriage that's not working the way you had once hoped. What is it that you're waiting for today? That waiting is the place where God touches down. He sees you in your waiting. He sees you. He sees you. And he hears your prayer. It may not come the way you intend it to. But there is a strength in the waiting because he is our hope. And one of the things we also see is not only that he sees me, but that God is working out his redemption in our world even as we speak. In the waiting, sometimes we can be convinced or we take on the narrative that God's not here, that God's not doing what God said he would do. Where is God? He is a long way off. I don't see him. But in the waiting is the place that God is rushing in and the place that God sees you and he is at work in the world. God will accomplish his salvation. And there is nothing that will thwart it. God will be God and there is nothing that will make him not God. God will be faithful and there is nothing that will make him not faithful. God will, God is love and there is nothing that can make him not love. God is peace and there is nothing that will make him not peace. In the midst of the waiting, God is faithful. And our strength isn't our faithfulness in the waiting. Our strength is our hope because he is faithful in the midst of the waiting. God's faithfulness is the foundation of strength in the waiting. Take that in for just a moment. All right, take that in. God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness, God's faithfulness is the foundation of our strength in the waiting. Your faithfulness isn't. His is. And this is why it's incredibly good news for us. Because let's be honest, so often you and I are not faithful in the waiting. We hate to wait. Waiting exposes our vulnerability. Waiting exposes our weakness, our inability to make it happen. Waiting exposes our lack of control. It is not your faithfulness in the waiting that is our strength and hope. It is his faithfulness. God had promised over generations and God had shown himself faithful. Even when Israel was not, God showed himself faithful in his rescuing work. And even in our day, even when you and I are not faithful. Now this isn't like, so who cares about faith? Like, like, that's not what I'm saying at all. But I'm saying let's, let's make sure we get this. The foundation of our strength in hope is God's faithfulness in coming. And if we take that in, if we listen to this, if we receive this as good news for us, it will elicit a response from us. We respond to his faithfulness even in the waiting. So you consider these places where you are waiting. If you were to believe that God is faithful, if you were to believe that God is faithful, 
If you believe that God is faithful, what might it look like to respond? How might it impact how you wait? See, when we recognize God's faithfulness, one of the things it can do in us is it builds trust. This is why reading scripture is so important. It can be discouraging, particularly as we read through the Old Testament because we see the colossal failure over and over and over again of people. And yet we see God's faithfulness, God's promises. right? And so we search scriptures. We encourage each other in community. And it fosters this trust. As we believe God's faithfulness, it might birth in us trust. Trust. That's the opposite of accusing God. Sometimes in our waiting, we accuse God. Go, God, you're not fair. God, look at all I've been doing. Right? Because that, that's when we turn the tables. We, we, we turn it to our faithfulness as the foundation of our strength and hope. When we turn it right back side up, we see God is faithful. God is faithful. He has always been faithful. We look back and we see his faithfulness. You can even look back in your own lives. You don't have to look back to centuries ago. You should. But we see our eyes are open to see his faithfulness. Oh, yeah, remember that time that God did this? God was faithful. Remember how we even, we even told our small group about God's faithfulness and we gave God praise that night. How quickly we forget, right? God is faithful. And so we stop accusing and we allow trust to grow in us. One of the ways we might respond if God is faithful, one of the ways we might respond is obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey me. So hope fosters strength. And in this strength, we recognize God's faithfulness. And even in our waiting, we walk in obedience. We don't just obey because God gives us what we want when we want it. We obey because that's what love looks like when we say we love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. It looks like obedience. And we obey in response to his faithfulness. That's what love looks like, right? We're challenged to remember the hope of his promise. The hope of his promise. God has been good to his promise in Christ. Jesus is the expression of God's faithfulness to you, to me, and to the world. And so whatever waiting is taking place here, there is a hope and a strength through hope that we have because God is faithful in his coming. In Christ, we have his yes and amen. And that promise continues to be fulfilled in our world. It doesn't always look like it, but his promise is being fulfilled in our world through Christ today. God has overcome sin and death. He has forgiven the sins of those who come to him and is doing a new thing in our midst as he prepares heaven and earth for new creation. God has not stopped being God, and he has not for a moment stopped being faithful. You are waiting is not a sign of God's unfaithfulness. Your waiting means you're waiting. And in the midst of the waiting, God is faithful. And our strength in the midst of the waiting is the hope that we have 
in Christ. Hope is not a wish. Hope is not a fantasy. Hope is a man, and his name is Jesus. If God is faithful, how might you respond with hope? Let me pray for us. Father, sometimes the waiting clouds my vision and I don't see clearly. It sometimes is is so easy for me and, and others might be thinking the same thing that we get so focused on our desire and what we want and what we're calling for, even, the, even things that are consistent with what we know you want. Like you want goodness for us and in this world. Like that is who you are. And so we're praying in alignment with that. We're l- working in alignment with that. We're sharing love with other people who don't know you in, in the hope and the prayer and the ache that they would come to follow you along with us. God, we're waiting. And in the waiting, sometimes my vision gets clouded. And I don't see you for who you are. Forgive me for that. Forgive my unfaithfulness. Forgive my unfaithfulness in trying to control and manipulate. Forgive my unfaithfulness in the ways that I have accused you of being unfaithful as I wait. Forgive me, Lord. and Draw me to yourself. I receive your mercy. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your salvation. Because you are faithful. You are always good for your promise. Stir hope in us today. Stir hope in us today. And strengthen us in the waiting as you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hope, it's yours. Stand with me if you would. I know many of you are stuck in the waiting. There's prayers you have been praying daily, multiple times a day. He has not forgotten you. He sees you and he hears your prayer. God is at work. And it may not look like you're imagining it. It may not look exactly the way you're asking for it, but God is faithful And our hope of this season is not in our faithfulness in the waiting, but it is his faithfulness in the coming. If there's something going on in your life that you want to pray for, kind of give voice to that with somebody else. We're going to have a prayer team right up here who would love to be able to pray with you before you go. This is one of the ways that we stir hope in us as we pray and we seek God together in community. Love to be able to do that before you go. If you have never made the decision to follow Jesus and there is something in you that is aching for real hope, not just wishful thinking and fairy tales, but that you are looking for something anchored in the bedrock of who Jesus is. Our prayer team would love to talk with you about that as well. You just come forward and say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. And they'll talk you through that and pray with you and celebrate with you that you might know new life today. And this new life comes with hope. And this hope comes with strength in the waiting. May his hope, may his peace, may his joy, and may his love flood your lives as you walk with him and as you go. Thanks for being here. Have a great week.